Bonjour, 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 and uh, welcome to the uh, SBS Cycling Podcast. I'm Christophe Mallet, and today I am joined with one of the legends of the sport. We love him, we love his opinion, we love his voice. We just love Pat Shaw. How are you, Pat? Oh, I'm great, mate. That's very flattering. Uh, great to hear from you as well, mate. Uh, it's a bit of an intro, yeah? I've worked on it for a whole week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I appreciate it. It doesn't go unnoticed, though, so thanks. <laughs> so, we'll talk today about uh, your relationship with uh, your team, Bridge Lane, how it's been so far. Uh, and how it's going and how you, uh, what is your roadmap as well there's so much going on there's a nice rainbow jersey behind you you must be super proud of it first of all how's life in, um, in the life of Bridge Lane oh, I think um, yeah the reason I've put that jersey there is actually uh, we've had a few jerseys uh, sent to us by Quora our clothing sponsor uh, to give out to special people involved in the team and I hung one in the shop last week and a customer came in and wanted to talk about the team and Yeah, I think the jersey um, shows the success of um, our, our team. But the biggest thing for me is that it means so much more than just that. It's um, It really is all the efforts that went into creating it. Um, and that's from all of the brand sponsors that are on the jersey, but also our 185 members of the public that also played a role. And the other big part about it is, Christoph, is that there's so much passion involved in this in this project. And, uh, you know, Andrew Christie Johnson, who's ran the men's team for so long, um, he's always had that same passion all the time. So let, let's let's rewind back, because you picked up that, uh, that team uh, or, or that outfit Um Not in a, not in a, not in its best of time. It was very crunch time for for the out, for the outfit itself. Um, but you were able to generate interest, generate um, yeah expectation around that team, and such a buzz around the actual layer of that level of cycling in Australia. Yeah, I, I think we're really lucky. Um, certainly by joining forces with Andrew. Um, and Team Bridge Lane, who already established a very, very successful men's program over multiple decades. It was a big attraction for athletes to come to our team as well. So in the conversations, once we actually had linked ourselves to uh, working together and people knew that they were joining the Bridge Lane um, organization, that was really a plus. Like they were very buzzed about the opportunities and they knew that um, the men's team had had a lot of success and therefore, you know, hopefully that would carry on to the women's and you can never take these things for granted. I think um, it all comes back to personnel. Um, I just touched on, um, you know, Andrew Christie Johnson, Johnson and his passion. Uh, we meet each other both on that level um, and there's very few people as passionate as us. I think that's fair to say. Um, but also the athletes as well. They've invested over the period of this year and um, that uh, relationship and that um, camaraderie amongst our group has really grown. Um, and it's not something easy to do, Christoph. It's um, something I really enjoyed as a rider was building culture within a team and uh, being able to sometimes be the you know David and Goliath scenario and come out on top. And I think that's kind of what we want to still feel like. We're the underdogs in a lot of cases, Uh, but we have a lot of pride in what we do. Um, and, you know, the year couldn't have gone any better in regards to the success of our athletes. And um, it's going to be a great um, announcements coming up over the next month or so about a few of our athletes going on to bigger and greater things. And, and that's what we exist for. Um, and so, you know, it's an absolute delight to be part of it. Um, and, and every day that I get to be part of it, I really enjoy It's quite interesting because over the over the years with Maka and I, we had this, all, and with yourself as well, we had we had this whole chat about the the depth 
of of cycling in Australia from from the women's side of it, uh, because we all talk about the Dutchies, we all talk about, but Australia is literally, I in my eyes, the second best country in the world when it comes to women's cycling in terms of how deep the 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 roster can go. And I'm, I guess you guys are are seeing it on a daily basis. There are so much so much talent all the way through. Yeah, and and, it, and look, and, and there's probably more than we even know. Uh, I think right at the moment in the probably amateur scene in Australia, we've got the best crop of women cyclists that we've ever had. Um, and I think that streams all the way from under 15s, 17s, 19s, and up into the under 23s and elites. And I think it's probably um, us educating our um, domestic product better on what the requirements are to continue to elevate um, themselves as athletes at the same rate as what the Europeans do. And I think that's the only thing sort of holding us back at the moment. There's definitely no shortage of talent. Um, you know, if we had a larger budget, we would definitely more than easily be able to um, put more riders on the roster. There's plenty of athletes out there that we've been in discussions with, um, and this is on the women's side in particular, um, that we won't be able to give a spot to next year because we just have a certain amount available. But, you know, I, I could probably do an under-19 team itself at the moment. There's that many quality under-19 riders in Australia in the women's scene. There's eight to ten that really do deserve an opportunity on Team Bridge Lane. And unfortunately, we'll be able to give two or three under-19s a chance next year. Um, but we look to continue to stay in touch with those athletes as well because although we have our team and the structures of our team and we have sponsors to represent, we also are about the betterment of cycling in Australia and the domestic product. And we want athletes to know, male or female, we see you. We know the sacrifices you make. Um, and, and in terms of myself in particular, I've been there and, and made those sacrifices. So I, I, can, I continue to understand that. But what we do want these athletes to know is that you're not doing it on your own. Um, yes, the training and everything you are, but we see you and we understand that you are worthy of a chance. It's just about us getting the opportunity equally as much as you. And if we have to pedal back again, if we look back a year, you know, if, if you have to be pleased for a few things this year, what's your highlight? I mean, I guess he's, sit, he's sitting behind you, first of all. Uh, but but there, are far, there, there are many highlights of this year. What would be your top three, for example, of your highlights this year? <laughs> it's, I think the relationships has to be number one. Um, we signed a group of ladies that we knew through um, results through um, conversations and through meeting them, but we didn't know a lot about them. And to put a group of them together and see them gel so well, um, really the group as a whole has been a real great sand, sounding bar for Felicity in particular, um, who has risen to great success this season with little experience and to be fair a fairly anxious um, young lady and that's to be expected and the girls and the way that's been able to support her both at nationals world championship level just conversations across the globe um, to make sure she feels you know in a good position and gets things off her chest I think that was really rewarding for me to know that I got a group together and together with the group at Bridge Lane we'll be able to culminate a family's um, a feeling amongst the group and so that support network and the relationships has to be number one. I think number two, just having the opportunity to teach these riders and see them develop would definitely be number two. And then number three is the results. Like they've blown me away, but, you know, I'd love this group regardless of what the successes had been during the year as long as we continued to progress. 
um, but they have progressed as an outfit far quicker than I expected. And their ability and willingness to sacrifice for one another already um, speaks volumes about that. And, you know, as I said, the jersey behind is a world champion's jersey, but it, it's so much more than that to us as an organisation. It's just, it, it says to the people in the cycling world that we have two world champions on our team, um, Nicole Duncan and Felicity Wilson-Hafferton. But to us as an organisation, this is a representation of all of the hours that our staff and um, family, friends and athletes dedicate to the sport for very little financial reward, if any. And um, they're doing it for the love of the sport. Uh, and what we get out of it is seeing our athletes happy um, in a good sound mind and really looking forward to coming on the next trip with the team. Um, and, and that's the exciting thing is when the riders say, I'm so glad I'm doing the next race because I want to be around the group. I can't wait to wear the colours. Um, and they're very proud to put on the bridge lane colours. It's quite interesting, actually, because if we relate to only a few weeks back where in a men's peloton, in the Vuelta, we had this whole, I'm your mate, you're not my mate, uh, you know, he's cursed a brother, I'm your brother, I'm your better brother and stuff. Uh, that looks a bit futile when you look at what you guys are on the grassroots level able to build and the importance of building this. Yeah, I kind of had this mentality that I'd much prefer to lose and die amongst the people I love and to win or succeed amongst a group that I don't. Um, and there's something very um, sweet about that. I think that there needs to be a connectivity. And I think um, it was an ugly sort of situation that was transpiring during the Vuelta. But in some regards, I'm glad it played out. It sort of showed, you know, maybe for Roglic for a fair while, and maybe it'll go on for a little bit longer, that he's a bit of the devil. But Ultimately, he was true. Like, he wasn't trying to lie to anyone. He wanted to win and, um, you know, he was unlikely to beat Vingegaard anyways. But the reality is we saw the true colours and now we can accept each and every athlete in that group for what they are. And um, I don't think you can take too much away from him because he wanted to win. But I just think that some people are, you know, wired differently. And I think um, Sepp Kuss, and I mentioned it during the Vuelta, is... He's wired differently. He's wired very much on the line of what our organisational goals are, and that is to love one another and be happy for anyone to be successful. And unfortunately, cycling is a difficult sport to break into, particularly from Australia. Um, and over the history of our um, sport, and especially from an Australian perspective, we've had many riders that should have been willed to a level that never got there. And um, it's just the reality sometimes. Um, so we just like, the, the group to be proud of each other. And I think in the end, that's sort of what transpired with Yumbo. Um, and I think it was a good story in the end. And then to look back at Sepp's year and what he's been able to do as a support rider and to ride um, three Grand Tours in the season, it's just phenomenal. And actually, do you bring this into your group when you talk to the to the to the member of the group and the riders and so on? Would you take Sepkus and his story so far and the story at that Vuelta maybe as an example as a as a part of the chat is it something that you you could base some of discussions on uh, not really I try to really draw on um, personal um, situations that involve them so that we can use that as a better measure so they have some form of investment emotionally in the situation so that then they can walk through it I think the situation like in the Vuelta actually works um, organically amongst everyone I think they see that and think you know 
I think we all sat back and thought, who am I? Am I a Roglic or am I, you know, a, a Vingegaard or who, who, which role would I play? And I think, um, you know, obviously we don't have anything at stake in that situation, but you can generally understand where you would be in, in those circumstances. And I guess those situations had played out in the past in teams that I'd raced with and particular, um, you know, um, with Andrew at Genesis and Pratties and, and also Avanti Racing all over the years of the different trade names we raced under. But we always uh, accepted the best rider would be the rider we would ride for. And if one rider could finish fifth, that didn't matter. We were happy for them to finish 20th if we could get the win. Um, and I and I think that's Sepp Kuss's mentality is that, Team success is his success, and when you can see it that way, it it's not hard to not win. It's when your teammates win, you feel better. Even it's it's quite a strange feeling that you get more um, uh, personal emotion and stronger personal emotion out of helping someone else achieve a goal they may not have, rather than you achieve a goal that's good for you but mediocre in the in the circumstances. And this could be uh, true in uh, in real life, actually, but it's true in uh, in real life. Yeah, well. Yeah, I think I think it is, and I think um, it's a beautiful thing about sport is that we all go out to play, really. Um, but we do we live out life's real um, lessons in sport. Um, but at the end of the day, it's a game, and um, we all go home and and you know after one success, you just bounce back to go to the next, and after a failure, you get another opportunity. So um, it's a fantastic environment to be around, and I think that's what the beauty of sport in general. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if we talk about the grassroots level in Australia, um, you know, games have changed. Uh, the Zwift and so on have come into the platform, uh, into the the, yeah, the whole platform. It's changed the way people train. It's changed the way people compete, the way they see themselves, the way they brag about themselves as well. Uh, for you, for it's true. Let's let's face it. But yeah, for for you, where are we at in Australia in terms of that grassroots level and slash the whole NRS, the, the necessity of having the the NRS level riding. And, and for it to be super healthy in Australia? Oh, there's no doubt if we want to continue to progress uh, as a nation in the sport, we need it. Um, and we need it to be successful, but we also need it to be open uh, to to many so that it's not too expensive for people to come and race. And I mean, I think in its strongest existence, the National Road Series wasn't only a team's event, but there was many individuals that raced. They would be combined into composite teams and and the like. Um, and it is true in the composite teams, often individuals would go after their own goals rather than work as a team, but that's fine still. They're still getting the exposure to the highest domestic level of racing possible. Um, how's grassroots um, viability and, and sustainability at the moment? I think we've probably headed back a long way towards mum and dad's bank um, a bit. Uh, and, you know, aside from a few teams out there that are able to do the work they do. And I'm really proud of the whole um, group of National Road Series teams and also development teams underneath these um, and what they do to help not only women's but also the men's um, cycling formats in the country. And I think we're still going to work hard as a group, but we're always going to sort of lack a little bit until we get that big sponsor for the National Road Series, which can drop the costs. Um, I think that's our biggest issue at the moment. costs a lot of money to just do the National Road Series. Um, and, and look, 
I must say, and it's not because we're chatting, but SBS's support over the years and the continued support this year has been one of the, the big shining lights for us as teams because it gives us a chance to expose not only the brands that are on our jerseys, but also the athletes. And, you know, people would be stupid not to think that um, those those videos aren't recorded and then passed on as evidence of the quality of and the calibre of athletes that we do have in this country. Um, so, you know, everyone's playing a role um, in some way, and I think uh, in some some sometimes it can be understated. You know, the the amount of work which what SBS does, the amount of work that on ground commentators at the live sites do, um, it, it all helps and it all gives relativity to the athletes and spurs them on to wanting to be more successful. Yeah, I'll add a, a little shout out here to our, our good friend Jamie as well, because Jamie at SBS is doing an amazing job for the grassroots. He's, he's the king of the NRS and the grassroots level. Yeah, and I think you've got to have an interest and you've got to, I think very much Jamie's a guy that, um, that isn't con- doesn't consider himself when he's uh, doing his articles and what, you know, how many readers or what, you know, interest he's going to get. He wants to represent the athletes. He wants to represent the teams and he wants to represent the state of National Road Series uh, fairly and, and respectfully, and uh, you know, over all of the years, he covered a lot of my career, and um, he was always a genuinely respectful person. I, I love the work that he does, and he, he does it for very little return. There's no doubt. Yeah, absolutely. So, so what what's for the what's for the future for you at Bridge Lane? How do you envisage the the 2024 season? Uh, we got big, I guess, an appointment early part of uh, of January in Ballarat. Uh, how important are the nationals for you? What are the targets and, and are they a stepping stone to set up the whole year? Yeah, well, I think the difference is is that we are a team already. So our athletes that will join us next year and our athletes that are staying with us, we're already preparing for uh, the summer and we're already uh, stepping out the back end of the season to make sure that each rider has their best possible preparation um, and best chance at success. So, um, yeah, I mean, the the biggest thing is, uh, Christoph, is the funding remains a big issue. Um, and I think we've got to fight hard and, and keep being successful and, and keep knocking on doors and asking people for help and, and trying to get more sponsors on as well. That's probably a, a big um, drive for the staff, um, for the riders. They're really focused and really excited to come back in, in 2024 and continue the statement that they've started to make uh, during the second half of this season. Uh, we've still got uh, the Cycle Sunshine Coast coming up in three weeks or two and a half weeks and the pinnacle event on the National Road Series calendar for a tour, uh, the Tour of Tasmania, which re- it returns to a really strong parkour this year. And I think we're going to see um, possibly it return as that uh, – race where if you can win it you probably go pro now um, and so we're excited to go there as well as both men's and women's 2024 nationals is always a big one and you d- you really don't know what it's going to bring so you just prepare your athletes as best as possible and they do the same and we just support them through the championships we'll try and come up with plans that are going to give us our best opportunities um it's going to be pretty hard to out to last year. We had a rider of the championships, Felicity Wilson-Hafferton, and she won two two of her three championships and second in our other. So uh, we also had uh, Keely Bennett, who was uh, a medalist in the under-23 criterium, and Mia Hayden, a medalist in the under-23 uh, road race, as well as Talia Appleton, who got medals on the under-19 time trial and road race. So it's, it's going to be hard to uh, outdo those results. 
I think as long as we race with passion and put our team out there and and do our absolute best, we that's what we can be happy with. And we look forward to next year better prepared to ask the right teams at the right time to give our riders the opportunity to get to Europe. And you're right, you can't uh, run before you walk, but uh, you've done the walking so far, so you probably are ready to run. Oh, I'm just excited that we go into another year, and I think um, I was always very passionate about wearing the Bridge Lane colours when I raced under you know other trade names, but under the same organisation. And I'm just, it's a real joy to watch the athletes be just as excited still today to to wear these colours and. It represents more than just, you know, the colours themselves. It's it's what the history of the team um, is built around. And then from there, I'm really excited for them to have their second trip to Europe and wearing our colours this year. And I really hope that we can, you know, knock out a UCI victory. Hey, come on, I wish you all the best for this. I have one question I need to ask you when we are towards the end of, of this podcast, but this whole merger, Yumbo, Sudal, you know, when, when I'm, I'm, I'm reading articles, I'm always thinking, I wonder what Pacho is thinking about this, because you must have a strong opinion of this whole mess. Yeah, yeah, I, I think um, actually uh, Johan Brunil put it pretty well um, from a uh, technical standpoint. Uh, we we also discovered that Johan Brunil has got uh, probably subscribes to X or Twitter because he was able to write a whole, a yes. whole thing. He was not limited by 140 characters, so we know he's paying. Nah. For yeah, that's right. But it was a, I think that was a really good uh, breakdown that he gave. Now moving forward from that, the technical aspects of it. Look, um, they're obviously not going to be able to keep everyone, and and the payroll would be through the roof. So. I don't know. I think this could actually be a good thing. I think um, it can spread the talent out. And I think if we see Remco at wherever it ends up, Ineos, whatever, and if we can see Roglic at Bayran or we can see him at Trek um, again, it spreads out the quality. I think we could be up for like one of the best uh, tour seasons next year. Um, I don't know for you personally, Christoph, but the one-day racing in the last two years has been phenomenal. The tours probably left a little to be desired in a lot of uh, in a lot of ways. I think the Giro is very exciting this year, um, particularly from Israel Premier Tech that were just, you know, so aggressive and animating the racing. But you know, in the grand scheme of things, the, the the Grand Tours have been a little bit of a low light in the season. So the one day race has really sparked great interest um, early on. So hopefully this makes the return and maybe even the return of a, a grand team like Movistar to get another star back. I'd love to see Roglic there. Um, you know, and, and what happens to Lander? Lander signed with Sudal and will not be there, obviously, because the merger, if it happens, which looks most likely, would Lander stay in that organisation or does he go away to a, a third team? What about Alaphilippe, mate? We have to Alaphilippe. mention Alaphilippe. What's going on here? You know, I don't want yeah, him to well, go to Total Energies. We don't want him to go to Total Energies. You know, that, that would be yes. a waste. Oh yeah, but it might help them hold on to some sponsors. Yeah. But um, no, no, Alaphilippe's another interesting one. I mean, uh, where does he go and how does it fit? And I think the interesting thing for Remco was uh, his sentiments around not wanting to be at a team where he's riding for others. And I think Alaphilippe, you know, he's done domestic duties in Grand Tours before but also had his opportunities to go for stages. I think um, he's got to be at a team that allows that. And, you know, where does he end up? It's and Maybe it is Ineos as well. Um, you know, they've got the budget for it. Um, I mean, well, they've, uh, been purging, they've been purging the roster. Like Ineos has been purging the roster pretty well. Oh, yeah. There's, the there's a, seven riders now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Sivakov, so they're, all, they're all gone. But uh, actually on this, and I will finish on, on, on that point, but... I'm, 
you know, I was I was sort of against this whole merger. I was, uh, but now I'm thinking, you know what? It's probably the shakeup that we need in the professional peloton because, look at it this way: we could end up having Vingegaard, uh, Roglic, Remco, Pogacar. That's the four, like the four leader, the four main contenders yeah, at right. the tour. And then you throw in there Hinley, Ayuso, uh, Van der Poel for stage wins. I mean, this yeah, 2024. Tour de France, if it, if they all collide, because you want Roglic would want to change team to have a go at the tour, not to do the 100%, same thing. No, one hundred percent, and and also um, if you have a team that you know has got a single athlete and they're focused on that, he he can probably even perform better again. And yeah. I, I I think it, I'd actually agree. I think that it's a really good thing, and a, and I think until we see it play out, we can't really uh, make comment. But I also think out of this, a shining light can potentially be the arrival of Amazon to cycling. And, yeah. um, you know, it, you can say what you like, uh, but if they sponsor a team, they're most definitely going to also sponsor bike races and probably jersey classifications or the like. Um, I think it's a welcomed um, new corporate into our cycling as a sport. Um, again, only positivity out of new investments in cycling. Yeah. Need dollars, need dollars for the sport. Absolutely. Thank yeah. you, Pat. It's always a pleasure talking to you. Uh, and I know you're very busy, but thank you for all the uh, uh, the love you gave us on SBS uh, for, for over the years. And I'm really looking forward to, to work with you again in 2024. Thank you, Pat. Thanks, mate. Love your work. 